Hey, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're tuning into this episode. Uh, we are a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we really appreciate you listening, watching on YouTube. We really encourage you to subscribe to whatever platform you're using. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, or if you're on Apple or however you listen to a podcast, be sure and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Also, make comments if you like it and share it if you like it. We really need people to make comments and share the episodes that you like. And then also, if you're not already a supporter, we really would encourage you to go to spiritualityadventures.com and you can pick a tier and we have bonus content for every type of giver. These are this is a nonprofit, so they're tax deductible donations, but we do provide bonus content for those who uh, are supporters. So be a part of the team, help support Spirituality Adventures. And we're so glad you're tuning into this episode. All right, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. Thanks for tuning into this episode. And I'm, I'm so excited to have Calvin Arsenia back on the podcast with Spirituality Adventures. Thanks for having me. So, his, history-wise, oh, by the way, I want to su tell everybody, if you're new to Calvin uh, and you're in the Kansas City area, or if you're outside the Kansas City area, I just wanted you to know, Calvin just was voted just a few months ago for the sixth straight year in a row as the, what's the title? Best the, uh, Kansas City's Best Musician. Kansas City's Best Musician by Pitch Magazine, yeah. which really is the voice for the musicians of Kansas City, wouldn't you say? The arts and culture. Yeah, yeah the arts and culture crowd. So, And it was, it's, 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 um, the public votes on it, so, um, and they nominate, and I have never nominated, nominated or voted for myself, so. <laughs> um, and I didn't ask anyone to vote for me either, which is the part that just kind of baffles me. It's like, wow, I know so many incredible musicians in this town. I certainly am not my favorite, uh, but, um, but I'm honored to, to represent Kansas City this way. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's such an honor. So, um, and he's a harpist, but I've seen him play at least six other instruments. <laughs> at least, I think I saw you play six on the opening of your uh, Paradise album. Oh, is that fun? That's funny. Yeah, a guitar, ukulele, a harp, um, flute, um, violin, viola. Yeah. Oh, viola. Yeah. Okay. So that's five. And harp. Uh, did you play, play harp? Yeah, somebody else yeah, played harp. Yeah, but I did for the last couple songs. Okay. Because uh, I just wanted to make sure that yeah, it's almost threw, threw it in there. Almost six. Yeah. <laughs> I also played piano and banjo, and um, I just, yeah, we can talk about that too. Yeah. So, um, but we, my friend Tim Place, who's a cycling buddy and a rock climbing buddy, uh, who also himself is a musician, um, he said, you got to get to know Calvin. Well, I sent Calvin a Instagram message, which is not the best way to get a hold of somebody who has, you know, tens of thousands of Instagram followers. <laughs> Just one ten. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I did, and he didn't respond, and then I sent another one, and, and then all of a sudden he responded. And then we did an interview, and it was a two-part deal, in April of 2021. And uh, he was, this was during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. and. Calvin was doing a podcast with his f close friend that he grew up with called We Were Christian Kids. And it was a very snarky critique <laughs> of Calvin's Christian upbringing. Yeah. All right. But it was so fun. And I laughed my way through most of those episodes. And then I was so excited to interview Calvin. And then I, 
I don't know. Is, is this an overstatement to say we've become friends over no. these last yeah. few years? I'm so grateful for the friendship I've had with Calvin. And three years now. Three years. Yeah. 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 So give us, for those who don't know you, Calvin, just give us a quick, uh, you know, your quick background Slopsis. story, where you grew up and your family, your faith origins and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I um, was born uh, in Orlando, Florida. Um, my parents are both from Central Virginia. I'm one of three boys, the middle child. Um, we moved to Kansas City in the year 2000. I like to say that we survived Y2K and moved to Kansas City. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so, so most of my formative years were, were in Olathe, Kansas. And um, in that time, I found myself, um, you know, well, I guess, yeah, I, I got saved a few times. Um, but when around 13 years old, I, I was I borrowed a guitar from my friend. Um, she got one for Christmas, and by, by February, she had given up and uh, <laughs> told me that, uh, said, Calvin, you're pretty musical, so you should learn how to play the guitar and then teach me. And um, so between February and, and, and June of that year, I learned how to play a few songs and was already leading worship seven times a week. Wow. Uh, volunteering as a 13-year-old. At a church. At, at churches and Bible studies, yeah. So there was a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. I was leading worship. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, um, at 13, 14. At, yeah. Gee. Yeah. And, and, you know, leading Bible studies at church and whatnot and, um, and got really involved. And, um, and, and looking back on it, it, it was definitely a way to protect myself from, um, <laughs> well, it's funny. I and we probably did say this in, in, in the We Were Christian Kids podcast, but in order to not feel like I had to respond to every altar call because I felt so much shame for being different and not just queer, but, but, but being an artist and being kind of just a little bit offbeat in, in my own way, um, that, that feeling shame for, for, yeah, for attractions or, or for thoughts that I, that I would want to respond to every single altar call that I was in. in. But being the person who was playing the music for the altar call, I was already on the altar. <laughs> so there was a bit of protection and safety for being, you know, up on stage. And, um, and, and, but I also, you know, got to see a lot, of, um, a lot of transformations happen, a lot of healing happen in the context of being vulnerable with, with a group of people. And... Um, I watched the Holy Spirit fall every time people said scary stuff and, and, and came clean about something. Mm. And um, then I got really involved in a prayer movement and spent a lot of time studying and meditating on, on scripture and praying and singing uh, right out of the Bible um, spontaneously and, and making up melodies and, and through through making up melodies both in the church, I mean, to, to memorize Bible verses or just in, in prayer, I, I, I started writing my own songs and, um, and, and you know, things that I, I wanted to say that didn't have a biblical context but were my story. And um, had my first uh, solo show in 20, uh, 2009 at a Starbucks on 151st and Black Bob. <laughs> and uh, in that, when I was trying to, um, and then around the same time, I had uh, discovered the work of Bjork, who is one of my musical heroes, and um, and decided that I wanted to have a harpist play for me um, at these shows I was doing at coffee shops, and um, 
so I went around and I found and it kind of, you know, interviewed and introduced myself to different harpists in Kansas City and wanted to see if any of them would, were interested in being a part of my band, which some of them were interested, but I had to provide them with music and, and time to learn the sheet music and to practice. And I didn't know how to write the music for them at the time. I do now, but I didn't then. Um, so it was just easier uh, and cheaper if I rented a, a harp for myself and learned how to play. And so um, at 20 years old, I touched a harp for the first time. Uh, two years later, I moved as a missionary to Edinburgh, Scotland, where um, I, I made it there for about two weeks before the, before the, the itch to play harp was too, too great to, to, to overcome. So I rented a harp when I lived there um, for when to eating to, to, to take lessons from the Scottish harpist. And, um, played at open mic nights and uh, and then moved back to Kansas City in 2014 um, and believed that um, my most authentic self was not one that was working in the church but that I wanted to make the world a beautiful place outside of that context um, and doing that through through ceremonious concerts um, pulling from my, my my church background but but believing that my experience is just as holy as the people who were in the Bible, um, and that all of our stories are that important. Mm. Um, and so I, I kind of got um, fatigued from playing in contexts that didn't value my story as much as I did, um, like espresso machine coffee shops and, um, and, and bars uh, where people are just talking over you. I, I, I think that my story is, and everyone's story, is more important than that. So um, I began presenting my work in really, in really um, you know, lots of pageantry and, and pomp and circumstance and, um, and playing the harp and wearing flowers and scenting the room and making sure there's tasty things and um, yeah. Uh, which is exactly what I was doing at 13 years old, you know, with the, with the at, at uh, Bible studies, making sure that there was tasty things and nice smells and, uh, <laughs> and, and good good music and um, I uh, yeah so I, I'm yeah I'm a musician but I think of myself more as as somebody who is creating moments of transcendence to allow healing and, and, and vulnerability and, and beautiful uh, life changing moments that happen with with in the context of music. Mm. Um, and because it's something I've seen for my entire life, and, um, and I believe in it with or without um, historical texts involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember you sharing about uh, going to the Seeger Rose. Seeger Rose, yeah. Rose. It was Yonsi, the, the lead singer of Seeger Rose, yeah. And you felt you had such a spiritual experience. Yeah. Kind of, it's so almost, funny. <laughs> and I think you described it as what, like, uh, oh, how did you describe it? Like you're having an affair, so I can't yeah, remember how you no, described that, that. that. That's not that's yeah. not untrue. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because I had heard about Sigaros and my friends who had gone to see the the actual full band. I think it's an eight piece band that Sigaros uh, from Iceland, and um, and I knew that the lead singer um, was was a homosexual, and I also knew that the um, that people who had gone to see Sigaros were having like these really intense experiences in those concerts. Now I have yet to see the whole band of Sigaros play together because okay. they because when I came around, uh, Yonsi had was doing a solo project and um, I just haven't yet seen them play together. Um, but but my friend who was in the worship band with me bought tickets to go see Yonsi at Liberty Hall in Lawrence and I 
he invited me and said I didn't have to pay him back for the ticket because I also didn't have any money at the time. <laughs> but yeah, he, he invited me and another friend to go to, to go to that concert, and I was I was skeptical and probably really like rigid when I walking in because I wanted to be like you know I didn't want to experience anything that wasn't something that God wanted me to experience. And um, but what I just what I felt was just like a deep a deep sense of wonder and and a lot of beauty and the music and um, both outrageous joy and sorrow, you know, throughout the throughout the set of music and, the, and using the devices of storytelling and animations and the set design and the costumes. And I just thought, wow, this is like really beautiful and life-changing and I want to be able to make art like this for mm. other people too. Yeah, I love that, I love that. So let's catch, catch up because the last time we we did an interview with you pandemic you were doing we were christian kids you aren't you aren't able to get out and i mean like all the venues shut down you know yeah. so um what's catch us up on the last three years quickly <laughs> and then yeah. we want to dive into uh your new projects and yeah. what's going on right now yeah so we did uh, we were christian kids we had 33 episodes and an homage to how many uh, years that jesus was on the earth i guess uh and then um and then, and then because of the podcast and the, all the great feedback that we got from that, from people writing in from all over the world, I felt um, encouraged to write a book kind of about some of those same experiences called um, Every Good Boy Does Fine. Um, and that's available on Amazon. Um, and, uh, or, and, you know, but go to your local bookstore and buy it from there. Right. Um, and it's not G-rated, by <laughs> yeah, the way. No, so anyway. Certainly not. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely read the first page before you, <laughs> before you purchase the book. Um, but, but at the same time, is life G-rated? I don't think so. Um, no. And, <laughs> nor, nor, is the, nor is even the Bible right. that we grew up with, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah, do proceed with caution, but the yeah. same, same amount of caution yeah. that you would with everything else. Yeah, sure, um, sure. Uh, I wanted to show up authentically and write a book that I needed when I was younger, and um, and which is just to tell the truth. Yeah, um, I hear. I you. think so many so many things uh, can be can be alleviated if we just shared our notes and the true ones. I'm I'm finishing up my first my rough draft on my memoir. Yeah, amazing. I'm. It's pretty raw. I might not ever have a pastor job again, but anyway. No. <laughs> I just think it's better to get it out of the beginning. That's right. Because you, know, you just have to change our expectations of people, right? And, and, yeah. and that we can be, we can show up and be beneficial and authentic uh, without being quote unquote perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but um, then um, I'd say the title of that book again. Yeah, Every Good Boy Does Fine. Okay. Um, which is the little. Um, uh, lyrical device to remember the, the lines and the staff of, of the treble clef. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I did take piano lessons for two years. Okay. I just, I always wanted to be playing basketball, so I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I put out a new record last year in 2023. Um, called Paradise, and that was a kind of a, a four years in the making of songs that I've written um, throughout the pandemic, and and, um, and and I just really, I kind of felt like the world was moving on in a certain way or whatever, so those songs uh, really do speak of the time that we were living in, and I wanted to make sure that the people who have been following me for years and wanted to do, it was just kind of a check-in, like I don't didn't have aspirations of that, that record being something that was as nationally recognized or internationally recognized as Cantaloupe was, and I released it um, independently. 
but but for the people who who are big fans of mine and wanted to like stay and stay in touch, I just wanted to kind of touch base with this. This is my new music, and um, this is where I'm at right now. And um, yeah, more of a more of a, a progress report or a check in than a trying to like bust through some markets or something. Um, but yeah, that happened at the Emerald in, in Kansas City in June of last year, and it was a really beautiful experience. Uh, got to play with the senses. We had uh, an ice cream, uh, a custom ice cream that was that was made for the show. Yeah, what's the name of it? Titties? Uh, <laughs> Sugar tits. I remember thinking, oh, baby. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, sugar tits in the, in, with um, uh, glittery. I want uh, some of that. Yeah, <laughs> glitter. And I think I think it was all vegan too. Maybe. Really, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I uh, met the gal who runs yeah, that. Camry Ivory. Well, uh-huh. she she only does it for me. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, she makes her own ice cream, but she does not do that publicly, like for yeah. other people. Interesting. Um, and so, really grateful for her. And then there was, um, yeah, had like an eighteen-piece ensemble. We had the choir from Zhen Soundwaves, um, and they they were beautiful. Kadash Flow. Um, my friend uh, who goes by the name Cheery. Um, she recently moved to Liverpool, but she was on that record and uh, kind of cast in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we projected her face and, and piped in her voice for the, for one of the songs, which was really really cool. Um, kind of also paying homage to like Zoom culture and like the our, our screens and whatnot. Um, I wanted her voice and her because she wrote the part of the song. So anyway, um, there was a lot of cool things that I got to accomplish uh, through that concert that I had always wanted to like do mm-hmm. and um, actually that 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 um, the film having her projected into the space. Mm-hmm. I, I actually got inspired because I was on a plane. Was she live really live no, projected? No, it was, it was recorded. Pre- yeah, pre- okay. pre-recorded. Yeah. But I, I got that. I remember thinking, I think this is recorded. I was there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I was really inspired by. Um, I was on a plane and I watched. Um, I watched the recording of Mariah Carey live in Tokyo, and she had the song called One Sweet Day with Boys to Men, and they had pre-recorded their part, and mm. she sang live over like, oh, that's their pre-recorded cool. part, yeah, and yeah. it's like on the screen. So I was like, hey. I can do that with Cherry. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so that was kind of the inspiration. Um, and what else? I, I think I think that's maybe the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. And what? So the newest thing yeah. that you you're doing. We're going to dive into that now. Yeah. Greenwood Social Hall. Yes. So talk about how that came about. Yeah. And then let's talk. Give us a little bit of the history of Greenwood, mm-hmm. like even. Like it's yeah, it's origins, mm-hmm, origin story, and then as well, you know what? What do you want to do with it? Yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, so this is this is the newest project. Yeah, yeah. In Calvin Arsenia's world. Yes, right? Greenwood Social Hall. Yes, which is like not not too far from what I was already doing, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so uh, in November, I don't remember the specific date, but in November, my friend Perry. Twenty twenty three. Yes. 2023. Um, so hot off the press. <laughs> yeah, two re- months ago. <laughs> well, three. Three months ago. Yeah. Um, Peregrine Honig, who's been a dear friend of mine for many years, we've collaborated primarily over the West 18th Street Fashion Show, um, and she and um, is was the creative director and director for for that um, for the fashion show, which is in its 22nd year now, um, and. Uh, and I was the musical director and have been the musical director now for the last four or five years. Gosh, losing track. Um, but uh, so she uh, messaged me or called me one morning um, as I was getting ready to leave Denver. I was uh, out there for a week of shows with Quixotic and um, on the Sunday morning headed, headed back to Kansas City. 
And uh, she called me. I didn't answer because it was like seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and I have a rule that I don't answer the phone until I brush my teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get to have my day first. Um, but uh, yeah, so I <laughs> didn't answer the phone, but then she texted me. She said, call me when you get a chance. And so then I, then she called me again, but I had, uh, I was uh, pumping gas. Uh, so I was out of the house and almost uh, on the road. and. And I said, hey, how's it going? Are you okay? And she said, yeah, um, I, I wanted, this is weird or, you know, just, just curious if you'd be interested, but I'm deciding to move out of Greenwood um, and I wanted to know if you would like to, to take the space. Um, and I, I was just really gobsmacked by the proposition because um, I've always wanted to be in a church building um, since I was very young. And even over the past few years, kind of looking to purchase a home and thinking about what kind of purchase that would look like, um, owning a space or a venue um, and a spiritual place um, has been something that, that I've wanted to have for a long time. And so, um, you know, I believe that music sounds best in churches and because they're made to house music and, um, and, and, and moments of transcendence. And, um, and so I was already shopping for, for stuff in St. Joe, Missouri, or like kind of in the middle of nowhere in Colorado and, and looking around, you know, on Zillow, like for churches, you know? <laughs> and so, um, so it, I was definitely not in a position where I was like looking to move, but here's the thing. So she found a house, she was looking for a house for a friend of hers, um, and, then, um, and then discovered a house that she wanted to live in herself. And this is the first house shaped house she's been in since 1996. And so there's a lot of comfort in, in having, um, you know, a house shaped house for her. And, um, and I couldn't imagine Greenwood um, being in, in anyone else's hands. I, when people have asked me, as I've been on the road over the years touring, uh, both in Europe and around the United States, um, they ask me, what's your favorite place to play in Kansas City? And I always tell them Greenwood Social Hall. Hmm. And so, Interesting. so when, when she asked me, I was, it was like, um, like a tuning fork, you know, like getting, mm -hmm. getting hit. It's, it's, you know, kind of intense vibrations, but, um, I said, let me think about it. <laughs> let me just get, let me think about it. And so I called her the next day and, uh, you know, well, first I, on the, on the journey back to Kansas city, um, from Denver, the drive, I called my mom and I called my best friend and I called my, my partner and called some other people and was like, Hey, like, uh, yeah. What do you think about this? Mm. And um, and everyone gave said it's gonna be it might be tough but mm. you're the person and so mm. I said yes to, to Peregrine and um, and, we, and our the, the the lease began December first so um, we had three weeks to put that to get together <laughs> and um, and to make that happen and um, yeah so that's kind of how how that happened um, Greenwood Social Hall uh, was the Greenwood Baptist Church. And uh, about ten years ago, um, which which was a historically black yes Baptist church, is yes. that right? Yes. Yeah. It started. Uh, you know, when was it founded? Do you know? So the congregation moved around a lot. Um, the, the the building was built in 1927. Okay. And but the congregation, I think, started in the late 1800s, actually. Oh wow! Um, and they moved around to lots of buildings and like really had struggled. I mean, there was a fire and they had a tent, and then the tent got blown over. And I have a whole history of hmm. like the journey to the building. Um, and but they've mostly been in the West Side in the same neighborhood. Um, 
And then about 10 years ago, they decided to move out because the congregation was age, aging and they were having a hard time getting up the stairs. Um, so got steep, a set of steep concrete stairs up yeah. to the entry. Yes. Like, I'm talking probably 20 feet mm -hmm. of stairs. Yeah. Pretty steep. Yeah. Not built to code today. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, it's, it's tough. Uh -huh. um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so they moved out about 10 years ago. The space was purchased by, um, by a local investor and the contractor team, and they renovated the space, and Paragon was a part of the, some of the design decisions in the space. And, um, and so it's, um, yeah, primed and ready to, to be a, a venue. And, um, and it is uh, my home. We've moved into the space. Um, so, uh, I mean, as of like last week, <laughs> so uh, we were still moving in. Um, but yeah, it is it is both my, my and my partner's home, but also a space that we want to have to offer to the community to gather around healing and storytelling and moments of transcendence and fun and joy and just doing life with people and but definitely music being the primary focus. Mm. Okay, so. Let me think here. Where to go with this? Um, so the the vision for what you want to do with the place is what you just described. Yeah. Okay. But you 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 gave us you gave like three four words right there. You kind of break those down a little bit. Well. Three, yeah. So you said well, community. Com yeah. Community. So I'm looking to. Like, for instance, we have the give, book. Give me, give me, just give me like a paragraph on what you mean by community, what you mean by those three key things, that, yeah. three or four things that you just said. Okay. So community, um, I want to help build community um, at Greenwood, um, meaning like we have a, a book club um, where we'll be reading a book a month together as a group um, and coming back to discuss it. Um, I want to have dinners there. I want to have, um, we have dance, a, a monthly tango class that comes and meets there. Um, I would like to see little miniature festivals like a DIY film festival or a poetry Ooh. reading. Or we've, we've interviewed some film festival <laughs> folks. Cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then to provide a safe haven for creativity and for truth telling and for for people who might not have another avenue into sharing their, their story or their work, um, I want to be able to provide a space for, for gathering a, you know, a small group of people. The capacity that I want to keep it around is about 50, 50 people in there. We could have more, but I'm sure the congregation had more, but I, I just feel like 50 is a good number, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, having having group conversations about maybe controversial things or, or or, um, or, or just like, or you know, de-escalating the controversy around people's experiences and, and giving them a place to feel safe and, and to be, to be held and loved, and um, so building the community through through coordinating these gatherings that are um, that are intentional to to discuss and to talk and to connect. Um, and I'm also hoping, and you know, I, I will be having concerts there. Uh, the the calendar is already getting kind of uh, filled up, um, and which is exciting. Um, I I have been able to play in lots of venues in Kansas City and all over 
um, you know, mainland of, of the United States and Alaska and, um, and Scotland and parts of, of, of Europe and, um, and Mexico. Um, but here's the thing. I think that by the time that an audience gets to, to a venue, they have had to take off time from something else. Sometimes they have to get a babysitter. They like find an outfit. They purchase an outfit. They get the makeup. They showered, dressed, ready, bought the ticket. There's a lot of sacrifices that it takes for a human to get into a space where they're listening to music. And I have so often seen audiences, based on the context of the, of the venue itself, um, really miss miss all the preparation work that the artist has put into the moment because 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 the situation isn't right. Either the bar is the main priority for for the venue trying to make alcohol sales work so that they can actually pay the artist, which that's a model, sure. But 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 typically, I have seen so many artists who have put in you know years of dedication to their craft who have written songs about their experiences, who are being vulnerable, which is scary by itself, who have got the outfits, who did the promo photos, who did the all the things, the gear, mm -hmm. the, and all the work, and lifting all the heavy machinery, and all the things, you know, to get into the space. And yet, both people, are, both parties, both audience and, and, the, um, and the artist, is unsatisfied with the outcome. Um, because the artists have not been listened to and the audience has, has a hard time listening because of the situation, right? So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so my dream when it comes to concerts is to have an hour-long concert or maybe two, but like have like just like a, a shorter, dedicated, silent or very heavily engaged um, uh, sets of music that require full attention from the audience. Um, to not have a you know a bar or a liquor or anything like that that as the main priority for the gathering, um, which happens in certain venues, but this is not what's happening at Greenwood. Um, so to have a focused listening time for for the audience to really engage in the work of the artist and for the artist to really have an audience who's there to listen to them, and I, I don't think that's a hard equation um, that just makes a lot of sense. And and when it comes to things like. Um, you know, the bathroom. I just want the bathroom to always be clean because I hate going to shows where the bathroom is gross or like, um, or, or thinking about ways in which that the, uh, the artist's story, you know, if they tell me that they have a favorite smell or like a flower that they mentioned in their songs or then I'll go and get a bouquet that, that speaks to their work or um, if they have a favorite drink or, you know, whatever. Like I want to coordinate a taste that, that is something that, that, that is remarking their story um, mm. and where they come from or that reminds them of home. Mm. Um, so when I, you know, when I'm working with these artists, I ask them, you know, what, what, yeah, what, what smell, taste, feeling reminds okay. me of home? And, and then I go and get that thing um, because I want, I want the audience to leave having fallen in love with a new artist yeah. uh, or fallen deeper in love with somebody that they've already been familiar with and for the audience to really fall in love with playing and sharing of themselves as well. Mm. Because I believe that when we connect on on our on our most human level, like that, we we leave better people mm. um, and more more empathetic, and more resilient, mm. and um, and that that music has always changed the world. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent behind you. I can't sing very well, and I don't play anything, <laughs> but I believe that hundred percent. And I've spent most of my life hanging out with musicians. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah, literally. Yeah. like I married one. Yeah. you know. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, I went to to the concert that you and Esgi mm -hmm. put on, just for the audience. To and she's from Turkey, mm -hmm. 
And so I got to hear a little bit of her story. And, and actually, I've, I've interviewed dozens of indie musicians from Kansas City. And I, there's still more. You, I'm, I'm going to get a list from you before <laughs> sure. you leave today. Yes. <laughs> so that I have a new uh, hit yeah, list, yes. you know. <laughs> but at any rate. Um, but no, I love to get, I love to dive into their whole story yeah. and their background, their, yeah. you know, history, family, spirituality, all those things. But, but then allow the, then their music to kind of burst out of that whole thing. That's fun for me. Yeah. And, um, and I love to see how the, their music and their passion ties into their whole life story kind mm -hmm. of thing. That's just, I don't know. For sure. That's, I love that. Yeah. So, but it was fun because uh, after the Esgi concert with you, um, we, she had her uh, beverages mm -hmm. from, there was a milk beverage. I forgot yeah, the name of it. Salap. Salap from yeah. Turkey. It's mm -hmm. a milk yeah, it's like it's a creamy, warm drink that's like similar consistency to probably like hot chocolate. But she said that it's made out of like some like a flower, um, and that's that's something that reminds her of home. And so, um, and then she spiced it with cinnamon. So it was like kind of like a warm, maybe eggnoggy kind of consistency, but 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 not egg based. It's milk based. And um, she's back there, yeah, swirling the stove <laughs> and dips it and hands me a glass. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, what else do you want in life? Like, you want to get to know the artist like that well and yeah. that thoroughly, and like, and like, have a real exchange that 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 will change you for the rest of your life. I mean, like, mm -hmm. people will be talking about that concert forever, and 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 that's what I want. And like, you know, sometimes, especially when you're coming to a new artist, I, this is my experience at least. Well, no, this is exercise. People enjoy music that they've heard before more than they enjoy listening to new music. That is scientific proven. Yeah, I know uh, that. Um, and so, but I still love new music. You no, know? no, I know. I'm, I'm unusual, probably. Well, but, but yeah. it's a discovery thing, yeah. right? But but yeah. but like the but when they when they put up the scanners on your brain, mm -hmm. you respond to things that are familiar more than you do, of course, things that are brand new. Yeah. Um, and so there's something. So I'm trying to build build at least some emotional checkpoints, which come through. You know, we have our our, our sense memory. Um, with with smell is very intense. Mm. Uh, memory memories can be conjured with smell yep. very yep. very quickly, and they can also be conjured with with music. Mm -hmm. um, Emotions like videos that go off in your brain about context, yep. Yep. you know, yeah. And so <clears throat> when I'm when I'm involving food, sound, music, which is why I do the covers that I do, is because I'm looking to ingrain my work into the fabric of a person's like life mm -hmm. um, so that when they come to to my shows and they smell the same incense that I had 10 years ago that they're like whoa I remember that smell mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. or like like when they when you taste that salap again you remember Eski when you when you when you um, you know there's just there's there's it's more than just you're coming like just for a one night experience mm -hmm. Like, like I want to build in for my audience is something that, that is as effective as my time in the church was. Um, because there are archaic methods that I believe that the church has found, you know, and not that they're, that they're exclusive to the church, right, but like right. things, things like the incense at the altar mm -hmm. or the candles around the room mm -hmm. or, 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 or some of the liturgical work, you know, like these things are effective to the human experience because mm -hmm. we respond to story and we mm -hmm. respond to, to sharing, we respond to, to fire and we respond to, 
to the taste of wine and to bread and to eating together and to communing in this way. And so those things are, I feel like they, they should not be held uh, hostage by, by, by church experiences. By one institution, exactly. one, one community. It's, and it's, in America, yeah. it seems like it might be, or it might have been. But I, I'm, I want to just push back a little bit on, on both of those communities, both mm-hmm. the concert kind of experience that we're seeing by you know, major heavy hitters like Ticketmaster and, and Mammoth and blah, 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 all those people. Like, there's a certain context in which you know, those, most of those shows are, 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 are alcohol-based. Like their whole business model is based on selling booze, mm-hmm. and that's the only way that they can make money. That's how they get the sponsors and blah blah blah. Like that, that's that's the only way that they can pay the artists properly is is through the, the bar. Um, and so even though Greenwood is a tiny thing and it's my home and it's, you know basically a house concert series, I'm just trying to with my with my work and with my life and how I'm dedicating myself to this project um, to challenge what human connection can look like and what the arts are for mm. and um, and how they can. Uh, change us for the better to develop a more empathetic and understanding and um, patient uh, society. Mm. I love that. I love that. So, and and apart, think, talk a little bit about the kind of musicians mm. that you're hoping to roll through Greenwood, yeah. you know, and, yeah, and so highlight and that kind of thing. I definitely have vested interest in bringing people from all around the world to Greenwood um, so that so that Kansas City is getting um, other opinions and views and, and, and experiences. Um, and, but also, um, I would like to showcase and platform people who are, uh, who are local, who are, tend to be, um, or who, not local, I hate the word local. I think a better word is people who live here. <laughs> um, because nobody's local and everyone's international. And it's, but the people who live in Kansas City yeah. and who are part of the f- fabric of this, of this town, um, who are typically playing in venues where people are talking over them. I want to find right. those people <laughs> and let them have a concert where people are actually listening and paying attention because they're fantastic musicians. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of back to the point where we started this interview, um, you know, I've been voted Kansas City's best musician six years in, in a row, not because I'm the best musician, but because I fight for the context in which my music is heard. Say that again. I am Kansas City's voted six years in a row yeah. best musician, not because I'm the best musician, but because I fight for the context in which my music is heard. I make sure that that the context, the the venue, the setting, is is beautiful and precious, and that I that I that I show up authentically. But I make mistakes all the time, mm-hmm. and I really should be practicing more. <laughs> Um, and like I'm not as accomplished as a musician as as hundreds of people who live in this town yeah. when it comes to just being a musician right mm-hmm. like there are hundreds who are mm-hmm. more skilled at that job than I am but I fight for my audience's experience mm-hmm. I fight for my musicians experience the people who play with me and I want to make sure that the context is fun for the musicians not too burdensome not too scary not too so I, I arrange my music for them in mm-hmm. ways that they can just jump in and have a great mm-hmm. time and I also make sure that the, that the experience for my audience has, is using anticipation uh, when it comes to like how I advertise things, that there's ways for them to get involved with, with their attire. I think about things like they're going to eat or smell or taste or feel, things with their hands, how they engage with the space kinetically uh, with, with, with their bodies. Mm. Um, and, then what is, and, then I, and, then, and then I always think about my favorite moment of a show is right after the last note, before they start to applaud. And I think about what is that moment like mm. 
what is going to get them out of their seat to, to, for a standing ovation? And then I think about what are they going to, to text or call or like the first thing, the first mm. interaction that they have after the show? Mm. Who are they going to, to, to talk to and what are they going to say? And it's those two moments that I'm fighting for mm. is how do they, what are they, what is the message they leave with? How do they explain what happened? What is the story that they tell with this experience? And, and what is, what is the feeling that they have when I'm finished with the music mm -hmm. or with the experience? Mm -hmm. And, um, and everything built up to those moments. And so, so, and those, you love to describe that those moments as transcendent, right? Yeah, because mm -hmm. you feel like like you are all of one accord, like everyone in the room mm -hmm. is, is together, and yeah. we've all experienced this thing together, and like we're all witness witnesses of this moment together. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things uh, besides just having a sound system and a room with lights on uh, that make that 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 moment something that is life changing. Mm. I love that. You know, I think another thing that my observation of, of you <laughs> is that um, you have a very generous heart towards other musicians. Mm. You know, I think about like, I remember like I, I pastored in Kansas City and I, I would bump into other pastors who always saw other pastors as their competitors. Yeah. And it, it was this, this yeah. weird, like they didn't want somebody else to succeed or they didn't want somebody else to get the limelight or they didn't. And I, I always push back against that. I thought, I'm, I love all these pastors. It's, it's not an easy thing to be a pastor. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to build a congregation or to pastor a group of community of people because people are like me and they're a little, you know, dysfunctional. Uh, <laughs> and so they can be challenging to, yeah. to, you know, to care, pastor, love, just like having a family and kids and all mm -hmm. that stuff. You know, it's, yeah. there's always challenges to just our core family community existence right but you're for people yeah you love you you invest in other musicians other than yourself and i've i've seen that watched mm. that and i i think that that generosity of spirit is a is a huge part and and you you want to you care about these other musicians and their stories and, and of course and, uh, and you know how good they are yeah that's what blows me away it's like <laughs> How many good mus musicians and singer-songwriters there are in this city who nobody, you know, it's not a huge crowd of people that even know about it. And a lot know? of that's because of context. I, I, mean, I mean, in my opinion, in my mm -hmm. experience, like, like sometimes people don't know how, gosh, how do, I, how do I put this? I guess I've been on stages that are, you know, million dollar stages. And I've seen very mediocre art happen on those stages that have great lights and great production, but the actual musician d doesn't bring much musical musicality, but maybe they have some attitude, they've got some spunk, they got, they got a good team behind them. And people love that stuff. Mm -hmm. They love it. Yeah. Um, and so, so I guess my argument or my theory is, is that if, if people who, who are, um, you know, well, that everyone's story is important, and that we don't have truth, we don't have full, ultimate, big, you know, capital T truth, until we've heard everyone's story. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's an impossible, infinite mm -hmm. mission. Right. But until everyone's story is heard and understood, we don't have truth, mm. period. And so I believe that people who are willing to, to go through the work to build their songs or their set list and they want to share their story, that they should have the chance to do so. Mm. And that it should be not uh, lesser than somebody else's just because of, a, of you know or whatever reason if they're willing to to be authentic and show up then we have something to learn from them mm. and um, 
and I and I'm I'm front row with my pencil ready. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that about you, and uh, I, I think that's I think the other musicians they love that about you know. These are many, they're, yeah, they're my teachers. They're my heroes. Right. Like, these are like my, my best right. friends. They're my counselors. They're my therapists. Like they're my drinking buddy. Like they're they're these are my people. Yeah. And, and and yeah. So I, I I think that's awesome. I love that. So. Um, so we've we've dialogued a little bit, and I don't know how you know we, we really haven't gone down this road very far together, right? Mm-hmm. But we've dialogued about a, a potential nonprofit side to what you're doing with Green Greenwood yeah. Social Hall. Yes, yes, yes. And we've so we're we're kind of just on the front end of that. But um, what what are your thoughts right now about about what you might want to do in the nonprofit world? maybe connected to Greenwood Social Hall. Yeah. Well, in bringing about both both non-local and people who are part of the fabric already of Kansas City, um, I think that there's a lot of work that can be done to both um, enhance the artist's experience and also the audience's access to the artists. So um, I would like to be able to help put, um, you know, fund and make it possible for the artists who play at Greenwood to visit schools in the area, to um, to host showcases or, or kind of maybe um, more question and answer, something that's a little bit more like feet on the ground in the community. Um, be that, that could also be, you know, playing at senior living centers, that could be um, going to elementary schools or high schools, that could be, um, or I don't know, playing playing outside of the context of Greenwood itself. So that there was a, a separate gig or a separate uh, community kind of touch point that's happening with the artists who come through Greenwood. Um, and then also being able to put on kind of more elaborate experiences and having them at a lower cost for for audiences to come in and engage with that. And that could look like student nights or it could look like kids shows or it could look like, um, you know, putting on an all black orchestra and everyone in the orchestra is getting paid properly but it's not going as um, something that's falling on as a burden to the audience so that more people can have access to that. So, um, but primarily through, you know, through, through the lens of, of, of storytelling and, and making sure that, um, that people get to hear the stories of these great artists and, um, and, and, and that the audience gets to engage with that as well. Mm. So, it, you know, as I think about, um, so like the, music's healing right I mean there's healing components I mean it's a lot of things it's not just that yeah but um, music you know like music can be protest music too I mean Mm -hmm. it can be so many things yeah it runs the gamut of the human experience right music does but then it it um, but yeah I'm so your the vision is to for musicians to carry their music into places where it wouldn't go normally yeah. to help enhance the human experience of transcendence, mm-hmm. community, healing, connection, mm-hmm. storytelling, yeah. these, these kinds of things. So expanding the reach of the musicians into a world just beyond an event. Yes. To build community, storytelling, transcendence, mm-hmm. healing. Yep. Um, and maybe stir some things up too. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that you, there's, <laughs> you know. there's nothing more. Um, there's nothing more. What do they say? Like, the truth is like the most. Uh, there's something a, a phrase about fiction um, that the, the truth is, is is like more fantastic or more um, 
more beautiful and more profound than, than fiction can ever be. Mm. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, there are certain things like that would be cost prohibitive to, to bring in like an all black orchestra, for instance, mm -hmm. right? So I would love to, to, to make sure that they're paid properly and that they're put up properly and, um, and that, that their humanity is respected in that process. Um, you know, people, it costs a lot of money to, to be alive and I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm supporting people in the best way I can. Mm. Mm. I love that. So you've you've tossed around a few ideas about uh, some some uh, names for this nonprofit work. Yes. Or, do you want to talk about any of that? Right yeah. Now? Well, so, so a few years ago, um, I was uh, working with a Parisian harpist who actually came from um, from Austria. She her background was in her name is Sabina James. And her background is in uh, the circus arts. So she was a juggler and, um, and, and, and kind of did some circus arts. And she kind of fell in love with the harp uh, and in, at, an, at a later age in life. Most people who play the harp started like around eight or nine years old. Um, but she was an adult and, um, and just as much in a similar way that I was an adult when I started playing the harp. And um, so we met online and, and started like meeting up and I would go to Paris a couple times a year and um, we play together. Paris, France, not Paris, Missouri. Yeah, right? Paris, France, yes. <laughs> uh, there is a Paris, Missouri. Is there? I didn't know. I knew, I knew, I knew about the Texas one. But right. No, yeah. Um, about every famous city in the world, there's one in Missouri named really after funny. that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, people came here and thought they'd never see home again. And they're like, let's just call this that. Um, uh, yeah, so funny. Um, so so then, but she's from Austria. So we decided to put on uh, the first uh, Outlier Harpist Festival in Austria, in Gusing, Austria. Um, that was Out, outlier. Outlier, yes. O-U-T-L-Y-R-E. Yeah. And so being like people, well, liar as a harp and um, an outlier being the people who feel like they, they don't fit the mold, right? And I think too, to some degree, every person has, has felt like they were an outlier at some point. Mm -hmm. um, now there are statistical things that also play factors into that too, but, yeah. but, but I think at, at, our, at our common core that we have all felt like we were on the outskirts of something. Yeah. Um, and so in that way, to be an outlier or is, is, is a very inclusive idea, right? Um, but what I want to do, what I want to... It's, it's like misfit in yeah, some way or another, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, but, I, but, but maybe it doesn't have to necessarily have the, um, the, the a, negative a connotation. A negative connotation, yeah. right, yeah. Because there's, there's some study on outliers. Like if there's a book, um, gosh... But, and Malcolm which, Gladwell's book, uh, or is that the one you're I talking about? I think so. About? It's, it's a pretty actually famous, called Outlier. Yeah, yeah, where, where, yeah. The, the, where you're, they're studying, or the premise, I, I haven't read it, but I thought that, I think that the premise was, have you read it? Yeah. Well, then why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, th I think that the idea is that um, sometimes some of your best ideas come from outside the mainstream idea mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that, you know, there's, I mean, that, if I did it really quick, that would be yeah, it. yeah. And and I've seen also people talk about studying not the trend, but the people who are on the outskirts right. of that. So yeah, he breaks it down. Malcolm Gladwell's really good about breaking down uh, things that are f that you know that might be a little bit intuitive, but then he'll put he'll he'll try to break it down into its components, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, it's makes it really fascinating. Yeah, he had another one called. Um, Oh, blink, mm -hmm. um, and that was about uh, thin slicing. What they call thin slicing, where sometimes your intuition 
can be more accurate mm. in, al- in, in analyzing a situation than all of the the, the analytic factors mm. that, that could possibly go into it. And you'll you can make a better decision through intuitive thin slicing. But he he breaks all of that down. Yeah, and makes it really. And so he did the same thing with outliers, mm. and he's done the same thing with blank. And most of his books are, kind of fall along those lines, mm-hmm. where he's he's grabbing a hold of some kind of piece of intuition that all humans experience but then he he breaks it down it, i don't know it yeah. makes it very interesting yeah so so and that's jewish same, guy okay cool. yeah well wow. <laughs> uh, so in that same kind of vein to to we wanted to with the first harp harpist festival which is different than a harp festival we wanted to celebrate the people behind the harp and the people who might not have come to this instrument through um through this through the traditional means which typically means that people either come up with some like great inheritance or the family has wealth because harps are very expensive and so really wanting to kind of create a space for um for people who come to the instrument from a non-traditional path um to champion them because people like me i'm never going to play ravel debussy Mozart, like that's, I don't really have the facilities or the time to study enough to get my hands into place where I have those things memorized now. Um, so that's just not my trajectory. But the people who have who go and like compete in harp festivals are people who do orchestral music, and that's their that's their whole life. You know, they've dedicated themselves to that. But but being a harpist who doesn't do those things sometimes we feel like we are on the outskirts of, of the harp community mm-hmm. and that we don't really belong and so so we decided to come up with the outlier harpist festival where we celebrated the people behind the harp and not the harp itself mm-hmm. um and we are doing that at greenwood this year okay. in uh in april um and so outlier has been a name that i've used I love that as a name. part of my yeah as a part of i oh, google searched it by the way and... oh, u-t-l-y-r-e yeah mm-hmm. um so we need to yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> so, Outlier is, is, is the name that I that I um, have been using historically now for, for many years, okay. and um, and how I want and you know my time at Greenwood is probably not a permanent thing, right? Like, um, it's 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 what I'm doing now, um, but I wanted to have the nonprofit side be something that I could take with me outside of Greenwood, um, and because I don't own the building and. Um, and I'm just one person, right? So somebody mm-hmm. else might might be there eventually. But I just want to think practically mm-hmm. um, to not name a nonprofit that I'm in charge of after the building itself, mm-hmm. but after the community that I'm building okay. globally. Excellent, excellent. So we're we're about out of time. But, yeah. Um, I, one of the things I, I was thinking as you were sharing is that I know that you know we've we've been tracking together for the last three years, and there there was a there was a moment where you were thinking, you know, I need to get to a bigger city, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, I mean, it's hard to break out from Kansas City, right? Yes. If you wanted to break nationally, yeah, Kansas City's a tough town to do it from. You're not going to. So yeah, <laughs> you're not going so, to. So you know, you there was that moment where you were thinking, maybe I need to go to Atlanta, maybe I need to go to New yeah, York, maybe I need to go to San Francisco. Um, but but you know, you process, and, and that might still happen, right? Mm-hmm. But could. for for the moment at least, you decided to kind of lock into Kansas City, and yeah. I mean you. You've been a part of this now six years. You've been voted pitch, but you, but you, you grew up here, right? Yeah, yeah. You've been a part of the frat fabric of this community a long time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, share a little bit about 
your heart for Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And let's close with those thoughts. Sure. Okay. Well, Kansas City has a lot of disadvantages. <laughs> <laughs> let's just be frank. Right? <laughs> I mean, unless you're Mahomes, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift these days. Anyway. Right. But, you know. <laughs> well, they have enough money to get out. Exactly uh, right. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and for 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 something that is actually actually insurmountable is the location of Kansas City. It is eight hours drive to the next metropolitan besides St. Louis. Uh, place, you know, and Chicago, probably Chicago, yeah. Denver and um, yeah. Nashville, which is, I think, 12 hours away. So when it comes to touring and financially speaking, um, energetically speaking, it's hard to do a show after four hours drive. So when it comes to touring, you have Boston, New York, Philadelphia, all these cities are a couple hours away from each other. It's really easy to go to a new market where you can sell enough tickets on the East Coast, on the West Coast, I just got back from a tour of, of Santa Cruz, San Francisco, Healdsburg, um, and, and played in different markets down there. Um, and you can get How to, many did you play, by the I way? I played five shows. In, in, in basically, yeah, in a yeah, week, yeah. 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 And so, so there, when it comes to being able to, be, to make a tour viable, the cost, the, you know, the profit has to outweigh the cost. And it's a lot of cost and time mm. that it takes to get to Kansas City. But the community of people that live here are beautiful and listening and, and value the arts and value story and, and are curious and really um, want the artists and the people who they see on stage and dance and in theater and um, they want to see them succeed. They're not skeptical. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're open and wide open and want to, to celebrate people for sharing their stories. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe to a large degree because we are in the Bible Belt and people are afraid to tell their stories, you know, and watching it happen on stage, it gives people the permission to be a more authentic version of themselves as mm. well. And so we are ripe and prime, you know, whereas places on the coast, like they see this stuff all the time. They really take for granted the art that they have in those communities. And, um, and I think that, you know, in places like LA, the, the, you, the life is so hard, um, to, to kind of get through you know, the traffic or the cost of living and all these things, people working so many jobs. I think we have a really, really special um, kind of mix of, of people who are here who have a little bit more time and wiggle room to invest in experiences and, um, and who are emotionally in a place where, they, where they're ready to receive the stories of people. So the audiences here are, are, are incredible. Um, the artists who, who choose to be here are here because they, they love the community and they love being collaborative as opposed to competitive, which again, other markets mm -hmm. are way more competitive and, 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 and scary and, and clicky. And, um, and, and so what I would like to do with Greenwood is to show the international stage, the international mm -hmm. artist community that we have, that we, it's worth it to come here. Mm -hmm that we will make it worth it for you both financially and spiritually, mm -hmm. that you will love being cherished by the audiences in Kansas City. And that's been my experience, mm. and I think that it can be other people's experience as well. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I felt like my whole, you know, when I felt called to come back to Kansas City in 1990 to start a church, um, I honestly didn't think when I left here I'd come back. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. Uh, but n now it's part of who I am, mm -hmm. the, the city. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I, it's, 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 there's so many things to discover here. 
Yeah. And I, I, I've been here my most of my whole life, and I still feel like I'm, I'm learning and discovering things about Kansas City that I that I love yeah. and uh, the people and you know the there is a Midwest vibe. Yeah. That is, it's not, it's not uh, fake syrupy Southern. Mm-hmm. Hospitality. Uh, I, I don't. My mom's from Savannah, Georgia, so I don't mean, <laughs> mean that as a. But there can you know I, I went to school in Texas, and there can be a, a what I call a syrupy kind hospitality. Mm. Midwest is a little more real than mm-hmm. a little more authentic than that, but but still has this. It's similar. Even, even when I went to Chicago, like in terms of big cities, Chicago had that kind of Midwest feel some really friendly, genuinely friendly people, mm-hmm. um, but uh, doesn't have the same vibe as the East Coast big towns, doesn't have the same vibe as the West Coast big big cities, you know, certainly doesn't have the same vibe as the South big cities. No. It's it's a unique, yeah. the Midwest is a, a bit of a unique culture. We're it's the heart of America. Yeah. My my, uh, Rod, my friend Rod Colburn, who you've met, he lives in Manhattan. He he calls us flyover country, but I'm I'm going to change his mind on that. See, so <laughs> and I will help you do it. <laughs> All right, I'll send this I'll send this interview to Rod just to get him to listen to it. So please anyway, do, please yeah, do. yeah. But um, well, thanks, Calvin, for being yeah. on Spirituality Adventures. Thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode. Let's check out. Um, and let's just do the whole, like, how do you find Calvin? How yep. do you find Greenwood? Yeah. Give us all the ways to can, connect. Yeah, I think Instagram and Facebook are the best, best ways right now. Um, Calvin Arsenia. Calvin, like the underwear, and Arsenia, like arsenic, but with an A instead of a C. Um, and then I also have a website, calvinarsenia.com, and uh, Greenwood Social Hall is uh, on all social media as Greenwood Social Hall. All right. So check those out, social yeah. media, websites. And if you're in Kansas City, show up. Yeah, come to the venue. Check it out. When's, your, pro- next, when's your next event? What's up? Uh, the next one is the Valentine's um, uh, concert. So I will be playing for the first time, uh, doing a full concert at Greenwood since I've taken it over. And, um, and it will be a lovely time. Wow. Yeah. So I, I didn't grow up liturgical, but that's Ash Wednesday uh-huh, yes it is. for all of our Catholic yep. and, and liturgical friends. Yes. Um, so, yeah. What time is that starting? Seven o'clock. Seven. Okay. Interesting. I might have it. to swing in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Hey, you made it to the end. Thanks for listening all the way through on this episode. By the way, if you're not already a supporter, go to spiritualityadventures.com, sign up for one of our monthly supports, and you will receive our bonus content. You'll receive lots of interesting information about our guests. Many of our musicians will do special bonus songs and record a song. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Be sure and subscribe. Be sure and share any of the episodes that you like. And be sure and make comments if you like them as well. This helps us uh, get Spirituality Adventures out there to more listeners, more, more watchers. So whatever platform you're using, subscribe, like, share, make comments. And go to our website, sign up for our team and be a part of the team support. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time.